Great, great grandkids need to be rich. That story Absolutely. is really real for me. It yeah. may not be for some. The folks that end up starting nonprofits. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the beautiful month of May and this 32nd edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. You all bear with me. I am at the tail end of a sinus infection. I'm going to do the best I can. This edition is made possible by Milestone Mental Health Agency, where the vision is greater than oneself in honor of Mental Health Month. All month long, we will share mental health tips you can use. This is certainly an important focus for our community as we deal with the reality of the impact of denial and shame around mental health issues. It's our hope that this month will empower you to consider your mental health and that of those around you. Please take care of yourself. We are still reeling from the Something in the Water Festival and so excited about the surge of spiritual, creative, and economic activity that the event meant for our state. Make sure you tune in next week where we will share a clip from our exclusive interview with CNN's Van Jones. He'll be sharing the motive behind his new and powerful series, The Redemption Project, which premiered this past Sunday evening, of course, on CNN. Today's show focuses on nonprofit success. Our first guest is Jennifer Yarbrough. She spent over 30 years working in the areas of grant writing, major fundraising, strategic planning, program development, and organizational assessment for some of the largest nonprofit organizations in the country. Jennifer has trained thousands of nonprofit executives, board members, and fundraising staff, and has raised over $400 million in funding throughout her career. She's developed introductory and advanced training to support brand new nonprofits, providing them with a sustainability plan to follow. Her work as a trainer and coach has afforded her many speaking platforms. Because of her impactful work and wisdom, Jennifer is affectionately known as the grant guru and the nonprofit guru. Currently, Jennifer is a pastor of Good Ground Christian Assembly and works full-time as a consultant, master coach, trainer, and public speaker. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm so sorry about your sinus infection. <laughs> you know what? It's my first one. I had no idea that something could happen like this. But guess what? All is well. I'm blessed to be here with you today. Thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having me. So I really want this conversation to be a practical one. I know that there are folks that are listening that have a vision for a nonprofit and it just seems like it's too hard to do. Can you kind of distill that beginning piece for us? How do we actually make it happen uh, from the point of that, of having that vision, if that makes sense? Yes, it does make perfect sense. I get this question every day. Um, I want to encourage those who have a love first. It begins with a love for your community. Your passion grows out of your desire to create solution to a problem. And so that's how you begin. Most people begin with, I want to do, I want to mentor, I want to feed, I want to close. What we want to start with is what is it that we can do out of those activities that's really going to bring about lasting change. If we can start with understanding what the problem is, 
we then can be in conversation with those who have the influence, who have the resource, who have the interest and access to the funds to solve that problem. That's wow. what grant funding is. That's what ongoing donorship is, is that they are solving problems. Impact is what we want. 98% of our donors and our contributors give because of impact. We tend to lead with activity and not impact. And so what I want um, all of us to think about is how do our activities created, that's our program, our program are activities that are strategically designed to solve the problem. If we lead with the solution and not the activity, that's what draws the attention of funders. Does that make sense? It does. And I take a lot of notes during the show, so I'm writing everything down. Could you just delve into it a bit deeper, the difference between impact and activity? Because I think we have a a lot of nonprofits, you know, and they're doing some great things. Uh, How would you help them move from activity to impact? Okay. So there are, according to the Philanthropy News Digest, 2.7 million nonprofits. Nonprofits have been around since the 1800s, okay? So we do work that businesses cannot do and that government cannot do. Now, what is the impact of what we do? We are considered kind of like the first responder. So what is activity? If I decide that I want to, let's say, build a homeless shelter, that's really big. People want to get a home and build and, and house people. Housing people is an activity. As an activity. The impact would be be, we have housed these individuals for a specific amount of time that when they leave and transition, they no longer need transitional housing. So we've equipped them through our activities of teaching, of mentoring, of coaching, of providing services. All of those are activities. The housing is an activity. It's a place of focus, activity, activity. Impact is we have been able to, out of 100 people that we've housed, 90% of them now have gone on to sustain housing. That's the impact. So the impact is the point at which we've successfully delivered our services such that they no longer need them. Exactly. And so then your community continues to support that solution, not the activity of, I have a house, you know, or... um, we're doing programs and services to feed the homeless. Feeding is an activity. We're now giving individuals the resources that they need so that they no longer find themselves with food insecurity. That is so good. You see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. We tend to focus on the activity. And I tell you that there are eight out of a hundred nonprofits 82 of them are struggling. One, because the leader did not start with the strategic plan. That's going to be my very next question. Okay, go ahead. Right, so strategic plan. The second one is that they're not able to articulate the impact. We talk a lot about the activity, but no one funds the activity. And the third is that the leader does not have the tools, the resources, or the knowledge to make the connection and the bridge with those who have influence, those who have who are the decision makers, and those who can help them evangelize on the impact, the result of what they're doing. We are solutions in communities. We are vital to the world. We are the third largest employer behind retail and technology is the nonprofit. We're not going anywhere. But we need leaders like the 18%, right, out of 100, 82 are struggling because of those three reasons. 
18%. What's the difference? All of them are the same. We all have to have a board. We all have to have a program. We all have to have a community to serve. The difference is the leaders who don't have the skill set or the knowledge. Most of the leaders start, they don't have a clue how to run it. They don't have a clue how to fund it. And are typically then their largest um, their largest donors. They're, 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 they're having dinners and fish fries and all those things are great. However, if we're not going to be able to grow our community awareness and funding base, there's no way we can be sustainable. There's no way. I think that's such an interesting caveat that the folks that end up starting nonprofits are not the ones that have the tools, the resources, and the knowledge. They have Correct. to get to it somehow. Those that already have the the whatevers aren't necessarily interested in making this impact. And I mean, I agree with you that that's a, that's a huge that's a huge dilemma in the nonprofit space. What advice would you give to someone who is in that space? They are, I mean, they've got this vision and they even understand the impact that it can make. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they've got a strategic plan that is going to be impactful but they're isolated for whatever reason. Well, they've got to recognize that they serve an entire community, that even in the individuals who are in their program, these are individuals from a community. So what we have to start with is bringing awareness to that community, the people that support us and um, uh, give us grants and support and, and businesses, they're not in our program. And many of the leaders are so head down focused on the delivery of activity that they re- they forget that we are a community-based organization. So I've got to include the other variety of donors. We also have to know what are the things that uh, compel a donor to give. So a business would give because of an investment. What's the return on my investment? Faith-based organizations may give because of this is what I believe that we're called to do. Some people give because I like to give. It's something important to me. So if we can know the types of donors, communicate to them in their language, it's very much like a love language. We're in a relationship with our community, in a relationship with a person. I've got affection, I've got gifts, I've got time. And if I communicate in that way to the person I'm in relationship with, they're wanting to respond in time we're in a good we're in a good place if we can do that with the with the community as well they will support us so it's a communication challenge yeah, this is such a good conversation. I almost forgot I needed to announce that for the folks that might just be tuning in, um, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. We're having a great conversation about nonprofits with Jennifer Yarbrough, who is the grant and nonprofit guru, talking about strategic planning um, and getting a nonprofit off the ground successfully. I love it. We've got about five minutes until we until we uh, until we depart. What else would you say on that subject of um, sort of building that bridge so that we're able mm-hmm. to reach the other pieces to the community, the businesses, the churches, uh, the individuals that we give? I would say that when we're building solutions, that's what our nonprofits are. Our visions are the solutions. That's our vision. Yeah. So when we're building the vision, we then want to um, invite people to work alongside us in the board, in the realm of a board or other key volunteers or positions of, of evangelism or exposure and resource that we then want to find those people who have the interest, who have the time, who have the experience 
and put them in a position to articulate impact as well. The more people that are able to reach deeper into the community, that's when our cause, our mission, our impact, the evidence of what we're doing is able to spread quicker. Usually what I find is that individuals put people around them who also are not skilled, who also wow. don't really understand. And so then they're stagnant, they're stuck, and they're still desperate at this point because, you know, all the monies are, are being used up or the resources are low. And so now the conversation turns to money and not impact. I say that if we surround ourselves with the people who are able to focus on achieving the solution, then we can have greater and quicker um, spreading of the news of what we do. The other thing is this, and lastly, and I'll stop talking. Well, let me, let me clarify what you just said. So the piece that you're talking about is this sort of the art of building a board is finding people this? that have the interest, the time and experience that can really dig deeply into the community. Is that is that the process you're, you're speaking of? Or are you talking That's about something that happens process. later in the life of the nonprofit? That is, in the beginning, we have to have a, 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 a group of people that are founding the mission protection, right? These individuals are overseeing the implementation of the vision and the mission in the community. If we surround in the beginning those individuals who have an interest, who have relationships, who have connections, then as we get off the ground, um, those individuals are clear about what they're communicating about. They understand what the impact is and they can build from there. Usually what happens, we get people who have an experience in a certain field, they've got some kind of connections that we want them to bring to us. Sure. But those connections can only be sustained and long-lasting around impact, not around the, indiv the individual relationships. Hmm. Being a founding board member is so different than an organization that's been around for a while. Um, everything is established. I submit that if we can create an environment of impact sharing, why I would come on the board may be different than why another person would come on the board. My thing is, we all have a voice of impact. We all have a voice of why I'm connected. Let's all share that voice. Money is not our problem. This is a $3.7 trillion industry. There is no wow. lack of money coming into this industry. It is a lack of articulation of impact. And the board, the staff as a team, the volunteers as a part of that team, everyone having a role in articulating impact. That's how more ears become aware of what we do. That's how more hearts are changed towards what we do. And that's when we have an opportunity to receive funds and support um, and ongoing support for Jennifer, the work. Oh, we're out of time, but I want to make sure, please share how people can reach out to you. How can they get a hold of um, my, e my email address is jen, J-E-N, at jenthegrandguru.com. J-E-N at jenthegrandguru.com. My website is jdyarbrough.com. J-D is in David, yarbrough.com. On Facebook, I am Jennifer Yarbrough, um, the Grant Guru, also on Facebook, Jennifer Yarbrough on IG, and on uh, Instagram as well. Perfect. I apologize through someone added me to one of your groups. Uh, a few weeks back and yeah I just want to thank you for this work that you're doing I certainly look forward to having you back on the show this is huge thank you again thank you so much for the opportunity I appreciate it you're welcome Jen. thanks again 
before we head to our break, our friends at Milestone Mental Health Agency want you to know that your mental health is more important than the test, the interview, the lunch, the meeting, the date, the family dinner, the soccer game, the recital, and the grocery run. Take care of yourself. When we return, three guests who figured out how to make the nonprofit thing work. Milestone Mental Health Agency wants you to know that mental health is not a destination, but a process. It's about how you drive, not where you're going. We have a special edition of hashtag add this to the list with three nonprofit leaders that are making it work. Our first one is Miss Claudine Ellis. She's been a real estate agent and broker for over 15 years. Her goal as a real estate professional is to serve her clients, put their needs first and give them an outstanding buying experience. Giving back to the community is very important to Claudine. And as a result, Claudine developed a private nonprofit foundation to meet the needs of single parents. As the founder of Dream DAP, the objective of the Dream DAP Incorporated grant is to assist as many credit worthy single parents to, in overcoming the hurdle of coming up with the down payment funds to purchase a home. Claudine, how clever is that? You are, you're first, right, in terms of the three um, kind of types of nonprofits in that you had your for-profit thing going, you saw a challenge there, and you built a bridge. Now you've created the successful nonprofit. Tell us about Dream, should I say Dream Dream Dap? Dap. Mm -hmm. Dream Dap. Tell us about it. Dap stands stands for Down Payment Assistance Program. Got it. And so since I'm lazy and don't want to write. I like it. Dream (laughs) Dap. Like what up? Gotta give you dap. That's right. There it is. When you buy that home, you be dapping it up. So yes. Yeah. Um. You know, there's a hole and there's a need. Of course, me. Many people don't realize that uh, there's a, a disparity between renters and buyers, sure. and that gap is what causes us to lack in the ability of gaining wealth. So. I'm all about wealth building. So you always see me posting things about money, how money matters. I, I have no sure. problems talking about it. my relationship with money is different from everybody else's. So I don't use it as what some people do. It's a tool for me. And building wealth is important. So legacy building, great, great grandkids need to be rich. That story Absolutely. is really real for me. It yeah. may not be for some. So if everybody wants to die, you know, be without, you know, any kind of legacy, that's fine. But for me, I want to make sure my mark on this world is more than just me living, working hard and dying. So um, I, love it. I know that everybody who lives indoors is paying a mortgage, right? Sure. But when you leave your rental property, you're not getting anything but your deposit or maybe part of it if you don't scratch up the walls or mess up the carpet. Right. When you own, you leave with some kind of, you know, nest egg. You have money. You have something to, to build on. You can use your home and leverage it. So the first step in building wealth in the United States or the I guess the fastest way Wait, let me take you back. Let me take you back. Mm -hmm. Because I want to connect this to what Jennifer was saying before. You've got some really clever ways that you're engaging the whole community in your effort to build your nonprofit. Can you talk about two of the things that you're doing to to make that happen? Are you talking about my Facebook party? I want you to talk about Facebook parties because (laughs) Okay, so I have a couple of things going on. Well, I got up one day. Talk about that and then talk about the things you're going to do next February. You're talking about, well, I got a couple other things that I haven't shared. Well, okay, good. So what happened was um, I was told by my advisor I had to launch my charity to the community. Okay. And I'm like, well, I don't know anybody. She's like, you don't know anybody. I'm like, no, I don't. I said, but I could just tell everybody on Facebook that I'm doing it and hope to God that they would, you know, care. hear it or care. Yeah. And I was like, well, instead of just telling them, maybe I'll just have a party and tell them. 
Wow. I was like, let me invite all my Facebook friends because people are always wanting to talk to me about stuff or meet me. I'm going to have one big party. But Everybody's it wasn't invited. just any party. Like, it became the party of all parties, Oh, it was right? definitely the party of all parties. It was so hot. I mean, so even though Malice again? came, you know, what? we had Tim Bird, we had oh. Young Money. Um, what's her name? Um... The young lady from WNBA, Sugar Rogers, showed okay. up. My You're doing it again? Yes, we're when having the second it? annual. It's going to be on um, June 9th. And everybody's been in my box with hate mail. So the news is I have actually opened up for 50 more tickets because the space um, is going to allow us to get a little bit more of the room that we had because we okay. only had partial. Yeah. So I just spoke with them and they're going to let us open up more space. So, so people June and, 9th. Yes, June 9th. And, and we were your sold Facebook out. party. Yes. Wow. Yeah. First of all, it was already sold out. But it supports. It supports. Dream every Jack. penny of the party supports it. We're 100%. None of it is partial, 20%, 30 40 no, so 100%. this doesn't have to be hard. We can literally yes. host an event yes. and fund our nonprofit. Yes. And we did it already with the gala. The gala was phenomenal. It was one of the best wow. events of Hampton Roads that I've seen. People were Valley Park. They had gowns. Fashion designers came out. The models were awesome. The makeup was great. The food was phenomenal. The people had a great time. The swag bags were a hit. They were real bags with real stuff. Gloves. Will you come back? <laughs> we got to have you back. We have two other back. nonprofit examples, but I want you to come back because well, there's so much tuned. more for you to there share. There is so much more. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Don't <laughs> get tuned. I won't. <laughs> we'll talk and to I'm you here soon. to support. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone who supports Dream Dab. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Listen, our second nonprofit executive is Ms. Chastity Corbett. She is passionate about helping lupus and fibromyalgia survivors live healthy lives. She was diagnosed with systemic lupus in 2005, and as a result, she's a strong advocate for awareness and is known to many as the lupus conqueror. Recognizing the needs of others with lupus, Chastity founded Social Butterflies Foundation. It's the first and only grassroots organization located in Hampton Roads dedicated to helping those battling Lucas, lupus, excuse me, and or fibromyalgia, as well as their families. The mission is to provide education, support services, and encouragement to empower and uplift those living with lupus and fibromyalgia in an effort to help them and their families face the challenges of these debilitating illnesses. Wow. What a heart you have. <laughs> Dealing with your own trauma. So this is, this is the second piece, right? So we have um, Claudine, who's working this real estate business. She's like, Oh, there's a huge need in real estate. You overcome this disease and decide, you know what? There's got to be a way for me to give back. Definitely. It's um, basically I understand what they're going through. I remember yeah. what it felt like when I first got that diagnosis. Wow. Feeling lost. And oh, my God. You know, like, yeah. especially when you hear there's no cure. Yeah. No cure. And you just play that over in your head. And it's like, I got to live with this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Gotta, gotta make most of it. I'm not going out like that. <laughs> so thinking back to what Jennifer said, what is your intended impact? My intended impact is, is that to a tough question? raise more awareness. Okay. It's my vision to make these invisible illnesses visible. Sure. So people could see and understand the impact that it has in our communities. There's so many people that's walking around in silence or, um, you know, going through it by themselves. They don't have to. We want to be there for them so that they can. So you're providing community. Yes. It's, it's, it's a holistic approach. Yeah. It's not just social butterflies. 
We want to help the survivors and their families because their families are going through it with them as well. You know, there's plenty of times my mom has cooked for me or what you need come over because right. you just never know what your day is going to be like day to day. Yeah. You know, your children get involved. They have to help. I have a support group member who has two girls and they had to learn how to cook and do everything so they could help her when she was down. But we raise awareness year round because we don't live with it for just one month. May is Lupus Awareness Month. Oh, it's also okay. fibromyalgia awareness month too. Bonus. <laughs> okay, so what do you have going on this month? Any events? Any um, activities? This any? month we have a few things going on. On May tenth, we're having a World Lupus Day paint party at Painting with a Twist in Hampton. I'm writing that down. And um, we only got a few seats left for that one. Okay. It's always World a Lupus Day paint party. And where was that held again? Uh, Painting with a Twist in Hampton. Okay. In Peninsula Town Center. And that was May 10th. May 10th. Okay. Um, and this, is this a fundraiser to support yes, your efforts? Yes, it's a okay. fundraiser. Sounds like fun. It is. <laughs> Fundraisers should be yeah, fun, It should right? be fun. Um, May 12th, we have World Fibromyalgia Day, which is also Mother's Day. So we're encouraging people to attend a paint party at the Chesapeake location. Um, and we're participating. We're one of the nonprofits participating in Give Local 757. Okay. So Good. Giving Day is May 14th. And we're doing a huge turn in the patio purple at Smoke Barbecue Restaurant on Warwick Boulevard in Newport News. Wow. Um, so we're encouraging people to come out, have some little fun with us yeah. so we can introduce ourselves yeah. and enjoy eating some great food. Smoke Barbecue has great food okay. or a good cause. Um, and then, of course, we got the Laugh Through the Pain comedy show. Laughing Through the Pain. Okay. And when is that? Um, June 21st. It's kicking off our Butterfly Walk weekend. And we have Coco Brown. She's coming home. So she's going to be helping us to raise awareness all month for lupus and fibromyalgia. And she's coming home to do the Laugh Through the Pain comedy show. Wow. And that Saturday, we're doing the Butterfly Walk for lupus and fibro. Um, okay. Saturday, June 22nd from 5 to 8 p.m. at Taj Stadium in Newport News. A lot and of activity. Go ahead. It's going to be fun. I call it a family reunion. And Coco Brown is our celebrity grand marshal. Okay, okay. And I'll go ahead and announce now that the Got Fish truck is going to be on site at okay. the walk. So you've given us a lot. I wouldn't even <laughs> able to type everything. How can people connect with your organization? They can go to socialbutterfliesfoundation.org and you'll find information about our events. And you can also get registered for the walk. Registration for the walk is free. But donations are encouraged because we use those funds to provide emergency financial assistance. Okay. No one should have to choose between paying their rent and getting their medication. Sure, sure. Um, college Social scholarship. Butterfliesfoundation.org. Yes. Is there a phone number as well? 757-598-4532. Chastity, I want to thank you so much for coming on. We've got to talk more. I know we do. Yes, and best wishes on everything you have coming up. Thank you so much, yes. Blair. Thank you so much for giving back. You're welcome. You have a great day. You too. Listen, our third guest uh, is Mr. Bruce Williams. Bruce is the vice president of the Hampton Roads Committee of 200 Plus Men. 200 Plus Men is a regional organization of men influencing and building better communities by encouraging, inspiring, and enabling African-American young people as well as adults to reach their highest potential. Their vision is to be the premier organization that transforms lives and communities with core values of leadership, integrity, 
commitment, passion, and serving as role models. I really love this type of nonprofit because now we're talking about just, from what I see, limitless capacity to mentor. It's a different deal than the two that we heard before. Bruce, tell us more. How long have you been involved? Oh, I guess from 1997 when we were organized to support a black woman. Wow. So you were a founding member, you're saying? Uh, Yeah, I guess I wasn't one of the organizers, but I was there when we first had the first gathering of men who were there to support Dr. Marie McDemon being uh, named as president of NSU. Yeah. About 700 guys showed up at the, what wow. was the Hilton over in Mil- Military Highway. And we looked around the room, and then though we were there to support her presidency, we said, wait a minute, we got everybody in here. We got retired Navy, we got we got entrepreneurs, we got barbers, we got teachers, we got, you know, this whole collection is all over the region. What if we continue to get together Oregon. and do something? And that's where the organization was born. Yeah. And, uh, you talk, know, you're, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Well, well, just because I know a lot of us feel that in the moment. So, for example, I was talking with one of our members who had an aha moment at something in the water, decided to start a, should I say, I want to hear what it was, but it's basically a, a, a film and music something for this region. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's got to be easier said than done. I mean, you mobilize that many people. It isn't easy. But the thing was, there was a concept. And then also sometimes there's a time and place under heaven. Yeah. If you recall, historically speaking, that was during the OJ thing. Yeah. And the black male was under attack wow. at the time. Okay. Uh, in so fact, you had a- there, was a, there was a general feeling that we as black men needed to set the agenda differently than what was being portrayed. That that's why, for example, I'm a member of First Baptist Church View Street. And okay. Dr. Murray took a bunch of us up to the march, we went to Washington, wow. the Main Men March. We took a whole busload of guys from the church up there. Wow. And although that started from Elijah Muhammad, from Louis uh, Farrakhan, yeah. it expanded to where guys are flying in on yeah. first class airlines to send a message. And I remember distinctively when they told you to take a take a dollar out of your pocket and raise it in the air, and they said there's a million dollars. So this whole concept of gathering together to be able to to get get something accomplished for this region, that's where it was born. And from that... Timing thing, though. I I love that. And, and for example, we've got May 18th, our our scholars breakfast coming up. Talk about that. This will be the 22nd year that we've honored African-American males who have attained 3.0s or better. And the logic of that event came from the point that we said, well, you know, we, we, we honor our young men when they create a hit rap record. We honor our young men when they score a touchdown to become, you know, they, they, they get signed up with a, with a team or something. Yeah. What about their brains? What about their brains? What are we doing to honor scholastic achievement? And I remember we did our first one in the Chesapeake Convention Center. We were we were hell bent to try to get the 3.0 information. Getting the information from school systems was rough. It was rough. So they were concerned so. about privacy and why sure. do you need this and so who's doing this. So how do you this. get it now? Do you still go through the school system or do people self-report? Oh, what? we do. In fact, what happened was we. And that I think was the element of what makes 200 plus men different as an organization. 
is that because it had a variety of folks involved, we had some power plays that we could leverage. Good. So the right people talked to all of the supervisors, all of the superintendents of schools got got together. They have a meeting. They really do. We made a presentation. Our presentation, George Crawley and some of the guys made a presentation. This is what we're doing. This is what we need from you to honor your students. And now... We honor over 700 students, and about 270-plus come to the breakfast. The breakfast will have over 1,300 people at the Hampton Roads Convention Center on Saturday, May 18th. And last year's speaker was Jay Jones. He was introduced by Casey Roberts. Casey Roberts was a scholar, I think, 13 years ago, and Jay Jones was a scholar eight years ago. We had a scholar present, as you know, with delegate now of the 89th uh, delegate um, assembly. Bruce, that's huge. How can I get tickets really quickly? Oh, online. You know, to, you know, hr200plus.org. hr200plusmen.org. Slash Scholars Breakfast. Or just, you get to this website. It'll it'll take it'll you to the Scholars up. Breakfast area. Okay. Yeah, you spell, what you do is hr two number 200, spell out plusmen.org. That'll take you to the Scholars Breakfast. Our speaker this year is Mike London. Okay. The new football coach for William & Mary, formerly of Ann Howard, formerly of University of Virginia. And we've had some great speakers. And uh, the young men will be marching in again. And uh, I look forward to it. I'm coming out May 18th, right. 22nd Annual Scholarship Breakfast. Nine a.m. in the meeting. morning at the Hampton Roads Convention Center. And we can get tickets at hr200plusmen.org. That's Thank right. you so much, Bruce. You're welcome. We got to share some more nonprofit tips because I know there are people listening that are trying to start them. So I want to thank you. We'll be back. Okay. You'll come back? Yeah, yeah we will. Promise. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll tell you what we do. You know everything for everybody, but we do focus. Awesome. Thank you so much. And as we're getting our next guest situated, I just want to quickly announce three nonprofit uh, conventions that are coming up. So if you're tuning in or traveling to the Phoenix area, May the 9th, the Nonprofit Learning Lab Institute will have its annual showcase. Uh, conferences all across the U.S. that focuses on fundraising, donor relations, board and volunteer management, marketing, event planning, communications, and social media. Uh, what makes these events special is that they're more interactive workshops than sit and listen type sessions. Again, uh, that's going to be held May 9th in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, presented by the Nonprofit Learning Lab Institute. Also coming up this summer is the Social Innovation Summit. It's happening June 4th and 5th in Los Angeles, California. Every year, this particular summit convenes so that members of the society can learn how to leverage technology and bold ideas to directly affect social change in our world. Everything from current philanthropic trends to building lasting partnerships in the sector is fair game for discussion. Again, that's the Social Innovation Summit happening June 4th and 5th in Los Angeles, California. And last is the Collaborative. This one's coming up June 11th through 13th in Boston, Massachusetts. It's hosted by Classy the Collaborative. It's a three-day experience where today's change makers unite and co-create the future of social entrepreneurship. Nonprofit leaders and peers will share creative solutions and ideas to solve the world's toughest problems. Again, that's the Collaborative happening June 11th through 13th in Boston, Massachusetts. I certainly encourage you, if you're able to uh, travel to one of these events, 
great opportunities for learning as well as networking. Our last guest for the day, I know we've been busy, is Ms. Davida Wingfield. She is the president of Advocates Resource Group, which is a consulting firm committed to the success of community-based organizations, including churches, church-sponsored organizations, community service organizations, and others who have the desire to take their dream of changing the world to the next level. Advocates Resource Group specializes in grant writing and helping organizations obtain 501c3 tax-exempt status. And we're going to talk more about what that means. Based in Hampton Roads, Advocates Resource has been providing sustainable solutions to community organizations across the U.S. for 25 years. Welcome, welcome, Mr. Vita Wingfield. How are you? Hi, how are you, beautiful Blair? Look, I'm trying to come out of this situation up here, but I'm doing well. Oh, my goodness. It's good to see you. Oh. And thank you. Congratulations on the Van Jones interview. Oh, I Was can't wait to share that next this week. this seat or some others. <laughs> no, this happened at something in the water. Oh, it did? So it yeah, was, oh, it was like it was backstage because he presented wow. there. Okay, so this okay. was a part of the premiere for his event. But I'll talk more about that. We got to hear about this nonprofit stuff. Come on with the Please? Questions. Well, let I'm me ready. ask you this. So, because we didn't talk about anything technical when we had uh, Jennifer on earlier. Talk about just this tax-exempt status in and of itself. Oh, what What does happened? it mean? Why is that important? Why is it not the same as the other pieces? How does all that work? All right. Well, I'm going to give you the secrets. Uh, Tax-exempt status historically has been an arduous uh, um, type of a process to uh, achieve that status. Um, It's getting a little more streamlined, so it's not as hard as it used to be that's good news and um so and so before it's all over i'm going to tell you the five steps to starting your nonprofit. so you can thank okay blair durham for bringing me on the show five steps <laughs> but anyways, yeah okay. i'm going to tell you but why is it important um nonprofit status is important because it is the pre-qualifier for public support and why is public support important? And I think I'm the, let's see, I'm a cheerleader for for public support, especially when it comes to faith-based organizations, because a lot of times the faith-based community wants to bleed from their side. But, you know, Jesus has already bled and died. So that is not necessary. And so a lot of times organizations will deplete their networks, their inner circle, their congregations, their board, because they don't really understand how to leverage um, their community with public support. And when I say leverage their community, I mean, your board has superstars. Your pastor is a superstar. Your bright idea, your passion is something that the world not only wants, but they need it. And if you haven't leveraged your position, your network, to receive your 501c3 status, which is a formal nonprofit designation given by the federal government of the United States, then you are not maximizing your potential. Not only does the public need what it is that you want to provide, the help that you want to give, the love that you want to show to others, but they want to support it too. And you have to qualify. That's deep. 
Really quickly, if you just tune in, uh, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. Our focus today is nonprofit success. We are talking with Davida Wingfield, uh, who is sharing with us why tax-exempt status is important in the first place. You said something interesting. You said that the tax-exempt status is the pre-qualifier for public support. So in other words, I can't even solicit funds from the public without it. It's in some ways illegal, depending on what type of solicitation that you are making. But if you are soliciting from the general public or from foundations or from corporations, most folks want to know um, before they give you anything if you are a bona fide uh, charity. And I do actually, um, I've been doing this for 25 years and I've been beating the nonprofit drum, but actually, let me give you another, I guess, insight into the philanthropic world. Okay. Um, it can be profitable. So I like to say charity. I don't say, I try to minimize this over the top nonprofit mentality because you can't help if you haven't been helped. And sure. so it's just so important. And that's why your status is important too, because livable salaries are important. Yeah. And, um, Corporations actually um, will, in many cases, prefer people who have a background in the nonprofit world because our skill set tends to be more diverse and more um, well-developed than some others. And so we, we have the ability to multitask at executive levels and pull it all together, even down to the nit and the grit. And so just being or having a nonprofit makes you more marketable in the um, in the in the corporate world. And that that to be said, I did I, I did have a point that to be said, nonprofit executives make salaries that are commensurate to those who work in the public sector. Hmm. But if that nonprofit is not publicly supported, where do they have the resources to pay these meaningful salaries huge huge well we've got three minutes until we go to break we're going to have a few minutes when we come back from break but can you go into the five steps now i sure can i sure can i sure can all right get your pens get your paper number one e-i-n and that is free there's no filing fee and it can be done online and that's the employer. Oh, yeah. employer identification number. And you go to irs.gov to get that. And so. Wow, you mean no one, I don't have to pay for that. You don't have to pay for it. And you can do it online. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm so glad you can do it online because sometimes you catch a federal um, employee who on the wrong day. Sometimes <laughs> it's interesting talking to them on the phone. So you can just go on your computer. We love, True. we love all the associates working for the government. So okay. anyways, two step minutes. number two, two. Okay. articles of incorporation. Okay. And I would not suggest doing that by yourself because okay. the requirements for the state are different from the requirements for the federal government, but all the paperwork works together. And if you don't know, you can become incorporated and still not meet the guidelines for exemption with the federal government. Number three, bylaws. 
I would not suggest that you do those on your own either um, because <laughs> if you have someone who understands the nuances of running your nonprofit organization and the, the, what your board would have to do and how to protect yourself as the founder I do I do kinda, yeah that's a big thing because you do know the board is your boss but anyways number four number four um number four um your board of directors board of directors you actually have to legally um install a real board <laughs> with li- real minutes that say that you took a real vote or you are illegal and finally Finally, the 501c3 status, which um, is through the federal government, and that also the paperwork for that can also be found at irs.gov. If you can get to this point, this is not necessarily the hardest thing you've ever done. Um, It used to be, but it's a little easier now. So I hope you picked up those five steps and I hope you learned a little something about starting a nonprofit or that's good charity we will actually be back in a few minutes we'll have some closing words with Vita Wingfield and we'll also have 10 ways to recognize anxiety in yourself and in others in honor of mental health month so welcome back to the last segment of this edition of Black Wall Street today we are focused on nonprofits nonprofit success. I can't get those two words out that quickly, but we've got Davida Wingfield with us. Davida, I know you have a uh, pretty unique theory as it relates to nonprofits. Can you share just what do you believe? What should we be doing? Well, um, I think that many do-gooders, I like to call folks do-gooders and partners and not clients and executives, but because uh, we all have some good in us. And so um, many do-gooders believe that the field, the philanthropic field is saturated, that there are already too many, too many nonprofits out there, um, that there's a fight for the money, there's not enough money, uh, there are not enough resources to go around for the plethora of nonprofits that exist. And I believe that that is a limiting belief wow. a limiting belief that is untrue that is untrue the field is not saturated as a matter of fact someone earlier said close to four trillion dollars that's a lot of money uh maybe yes maybe no <laughs> it just depends on how you look at it uh, first of all let's talk about the money is there enough money yes there is um when i started out i raised a couple million dollars and it was kind of during the Clinton administration and money was just flowing um, sideways. I'll say sideways. Sure. It was. It was because the economy was good. So that means that money's flowing sideways. That means everybody's touching money. Everybody has the job. Everybody has something. Yeah. Um, But then... Now the money has is it's not sideways, it's up and down. And that's why you have a disparity. The point is that there is just as much money to be had. It's just located. So it's still there. It's there. It's just in a different place. It's a different now strategy. It's, that's a different strategy. The money is located that's in the top good. three percent. So the top three have enough money to feed the world forever. 
<laughs> more than like more than one lifetime. And so, so do you have an initiative to help get these nonprofit ideas to fruition? We certainly do. What I'm excited that? about the New Earth campaign. Yay. Go to Facebook, go to Facebook, go to Facebook, New Earth campaign. And okay. there you're going to see a book of me. Um, a link? Let's see. Yeah, link. Well, it's not a link. It's a button. So okay. just hit okay. that that book me button and you'll get to talk to me for free and I can give you all the secrets in a 45 minute consultation but the new earth campaign let's talk about it no the field is not saturated yes people do need you and yes you do need to start your nonprofit. and the new That's earth good. campaign has a campaign folks might be out here discouraged oh man and some folks might be discouraging them saying hey don't start a nonprofit. we already have one or two of those and I think the, the, the theory the basis of the theory is part partnership. When there are lots of nonprofits that work together, you find that the cycle of goodness happens at um, a greater level of success, whether it be financially, whether it be community impact, whether it be um, people um, manifesting their creativity in so many different ways. I got to wrap up with you, Davida. This has been phenomenal. I hope that you will come back. Yes? Yes, yes, yes. And awesome. again, that's Facebook New Earth Campaign. New Earth You'll Campaign. You'll find it. It's a lot, got of, it. a lot of trees. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thanks, Davida. I promise 10 ways to recognize anxiety in yourself and others. Memory issues, number one. Number two, trouble concentrating. Number three, needing reassurance. Number four, avoidance. Five is procrastination. Six is rapid heartbeat. Seven is headaches. Eight, lack of patience. Nine, overthinking. And 10, panic attacks. Wow. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Milestone Mental Health Agency, for your contribution to the show today. And thank you to all of our guests for helping us focus on the world of nonprofits. We will talk next week. Have a great one. Phenomenal. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. Uh, black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street.